Well, good morning. I'm not Matt. It's easy to see. I'm a little bit better looking than he is. But nonetheless, Matt is, is enjoying a little bit of time off uh, this Sunday morning. We, as elders, we want to give him a little bit of time to re-energize and revigorate himself. So every fifth Sunday, uh, one of us fills in the pulpit for him. And uh, it, it gives him a chance to just sort of recharge and uh, visit some places if, if that's where he chooses to do. And so this morning, he's in Oklahoma. So let's pray for him and Aaron and that they have a safe journey back uh, on their way back. If you are visiting, visiting with us this morning, we are glad that you're here. Um, we know that you could be anywhere else this morning, but you chose to be here with us. And so for that, we are thankful and we're grateful for that. And I ask that you come back again tonight at 5 o'clock and hear Brother Jimmy speak. You'll be in, a, in for a treat for that as well. I do want to give you a disclaimer this morning. Um, I know that as you saw me come up here, you saw things hanging off my notes. So for me, from time to time, I stick things on my lessons just to remind me of what I need to insert somewhere. So don't let that... Uh, make you think I'm going to keep you here all afternoon. That's, that's not my intention. If it happens, it happens. But it's not my intention. And so also this morning, uh, I, I want to preface it this way. In preparing this lesson, I did not single any one person out. Uh, that's, that's not what my intent is. My intent is to single all of us out. As we look at the Word of God, that's what the Word of God does for each one of us. It calls us all out from time to time when we, when we need to be um, corrected. So I, I want that, to say that up front, that I, I don't have any particular person in mind, and if I do, it's, it's more than likely me. So I wanted to uh, clarify that first thing this, this morning. I want to start us off with... Uh, a, a little story that, that builds right into the lesson. And this comes from an elder in a congregation in Mississippi. And it involves two young people. And so th this is how the story went. A young man who starred on his high school baseball team had a conflict when a season's game fell on a Wednesday night. And he told his coach, he said, I, I just won't be there at the game. I, I can't be there. And so the coach issues him an ultimatum and says, well, you can play or you can turn your uniform in. Doesn't matter to me. So the young man went to church that Wednesday night and the next day he goes to school, has his uniform in hand, presents it to the coach. And the coach sees his true faith and says, you keep it. You're still on the team. Similar story. A Christian student was selected as the homecoming queen, but she would not, she would not go to be crowned because that Friday night at her congregation, a gospel meeting had started. And so she went to support the gospel meeting instead of going to the homecoming festivities. Six of her friends went with her to that meeting, and they obeyed the gospel. So 
this morning as we look at our lesson, we look at the scripture, the title of my lesson is Living Out Our Decision. Becoming God's zealous men and women. So our, our base text, and Micah read a couple of verses of that, is from Joshua chapter 1, the first nine verses. But I also want to begin this morning by saying this. I'm, I'm going to be like Chris was on Wednesday night and sort of refer back to the family retreat we had last weekend. We had a great time. I wish all of you could have been there if, if you had the opportunity to, to do so. But last weekend, in the men's class especially, we learned about Joshua. And we learned what it means to make a choice and follow Jesus. We learned what it means to become that person of God that he wants us to be. And so for us, as, as we think about our, our daily lives, all the things that we're involved with, we need to think about rising above the ordinary. We need to think about rising above the common. We also need to think about not just simply being Christian bystanders, but we need to become that zealous people that God desires us to be. We need to be that fork in the road. And we often hear that fork in the road, you've got to make a decision of which way you're going to go. But we need to be that fork in the road for people that we talk to on a daily basis. We need to be that fork in the road that when people see us, they see Jesus. And they want to go down the path that we're on and not down the path that the world travels. We want them to become acquainted with us and we want to cause them to make a decision based on the Jesus that they see in us. So in 1 Kings 18, verse 21, the prophet Elijah asked, how long will you falter between two options? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. And so day by day, we, we face certain times and certain moments where we have to make a decision about things. Jesus also basically said the same thing in Matthew 6, 24, when he says, no one can serve two masters, God and mammon. And then he goes on in verse 33 and he says, it's a familiar passage, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We have to make that decision. In 1 John chapter 2, we read that a choice must be made between loving God and loving the world. The two are mutually exclusive, and we have to make a decision. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2, that today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. It's right now. It's right here. There is no other time because we're not guaranteed anything beyond this moment. Joshua settled the issue for his family. Again, in another familiar passage in chapter 24, verse 15, where he says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Is that how we feel this morning? Is, is this a question that when we got up this morning, we said, I'm serving the Lord today? Or do we say we're serving the Lord today because 
we knew that we were coming to worship. Do we say this every day? Do we believe that this is how we ought to be? And if so, do our actions show it? Do we live out that Christian life every day? Or do we do it only when it's convenient for us? Think about that question. Are we simply just a common Christian? Are we simply just ordinary? Are we one of those Christian bystanders? Or are we committed? Are we a zealous person for Christ? So that the very way that we live every day calls for the decision of the one called Jesus. You know, if we look at the book of Joshua, and if, you'll, if you want to go ahead and turn there, Joshua chapter 1, if you haven't already. Joshua is a book about victory. How to live the decision that we've made. It's a book about how to drive out the enemy. It's a book about how, defeating, about how we can defeat life's problems. It's a book about overcoming Satan. It's a book about how to cross flooded rivers and bring down walled cities. It's a book about strength and courage. It's about how to overcome dis discouragement. And it's a book about how to take possession of the blessings God's given to us. Let's look at our text this morning. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, and you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do, all, uh, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And we sing that, that song from time to time. More oftentimes we sing it in the youth devotionals, but uh, nonetheless, it's, it's a great reminder of what God wants for us. He only wants the best for us if we are willing to accept it. 
The book of Joshua is about how we can rise above the ordinary and become that zealous people God wants. The first question I asked this morning is, are we interested? Is that what we want? Do we want to be God's zealous people? Do we want to be his committed people? Well, if so, number one, we must hear God's call. I'm not talking about a conversation he's going to have with you. I'm not talking about uh, a conversion because God doesn't physically speak to us that way anymore. He speaks to us here. At this point, Joshua has been, has been God's person for about 80 years. He's calling Joshua to a greater commitment. He's calling Joshua to do things he's never done before. God's calling us to do things he's, that we've never done before. He's calling us to a greater faith. He's calling us to a deeper commitment. Or are we satisfied where we are spiritually? Do we have plans for future growth? You know, there, there are several of us in this auditorium this morning that own our own business. And any smart businessman has a plan for future growth. Families, young couples get married. They have a plan for future growth. And those are great things. Those are wonderful things. But when we talk about our spirituality, that's even better. Do we have a plan for our future growth? Are we satisfied with our prayer life? Do we pray in our, our daily lives like we should? Are we satisfied with what we give every Lord's Day? Are we satisfied with what we give of ourselves to others throughout the week? Are we satisfied with our Bible study? I'll raise my hand and say no. I'm not with mine. So here it is. Joshua was an old man when this call comes to him. This tells us that age is not an excuse for maintaining the spiritual status quo. As I look at the audience this morning, I see Brother Parker sitting here about five rows back. I see Brother Jack, Sister Evelyn sitting over here to my right. Age isn't an excuse. If able, every time those doors are open, they're here. That is a wonderful testament to them and their life of faith. What about us? Where are we every time the doors are open? Is our commitment the same as the commitment that they made a long time ago? It's, it's inspiring to see their influence. And it's an influence that continues to go on. And it's an influence that will continue to go on even after they're gone. Because so many of us know them and love them. But again, age is an excuse. We need to get involved in the work of the Lord. One way or another. You can help with teaching a class. Be an assistant in a class. You can actually teach the class 
for that matter. Sammy would love for you to beat him down and track him down and say, hey, I'll teach such and such class. Or do something to participate in worship that you've never done before. And so I appreciate Brother Eddie Cron because it wasn't too long ago he challenged himself. He said, I'm going to get up there and lead a song. And I, I don't believe there's been a time that he's missed on those Sunday nights that we worship in song that he's been up here leading a song. Because if you do it once, you can do it again. And then you can do it again. And then you can do it again. Until you start becoming better at what you do. It's just like, it's just like anything else we do in our lives. If we do something for the first time, and we're not sure how it's going to go, but at the end, we come to the realization, hey, it wasn't that bad. I can do that again. Do something that makes you uncomfortable. Get out of your comfort zone. God expects us to grow spiritually. It doesn't matter what our age is. So we are here this morning because God has something for us to do. Do we believe that? I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Number two, we have to make ourselves available. God's not looking for talent. There, there is no talent show. There, there, there's nothing that, uh, he's not looking for ability. God can gift us and he can equip us whenever he wants. If you go back to Numbers chapter 22, he gives a donkey the ability to speak. God can do what he wants. God enabled David to kill Goliath with a slingshot. So he's not looking for talent. He's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. And if you are someone who marks in your Bibles, this is a verse that needs to be marked. Because Isaiah makes himself available. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. How many of us have that same mentality when it comes to the work of the Lord. Here, my Lord, send me. I'll do it. Or do we have the mindset of, well, you know, Brother James can do it. Brother Eddie can do it. Brother Doug can do it. No. Here am I. Send me. Let me do it. I want to do it. I think so many times we look at the work of the church and we look at it somewhat begrudgingly. Man, I got to go do this. I got to go do that. Remember, we're a volunteer army. We chose to obey the gospel. It wasn't thrust down our throat. It wasn't force-fed to us. Nobody tied our hands behind our back and said, you will or else. We chose to. 
You see, God promises to equip us, gift us, talent us, to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish. He's not going to use us against our will. Hebrews 13, verse 20 and 21 says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians 3.20 tells us, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Do these verses sound like God's going to equip us and give us what we need? Number three, we must be strong and courageous. Joshua had some weaknesses just like us. Remember, he's human just like we are. And so God reminded him and reminds us that he will strengthen us in these times. Look at verse 6 of our base text in Joshua chapter 1. Here we see Joshua's first weakness that's mentioned. He needed encouragement to lead. We all have some kind of leadership role in the church, women included. And I know there's a movement out there today that says women should, should be in the pulpit teaching. Women should be serving around the Lord's table. Women should be leading singing for the congregation. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. But there are some churches in the brotherhood that will say, hey, sure, why not? But that's not what he's talking about. We're here to lead others every day. We're here to be a fork in the road that they can see Jesus through us and make a decision of what they need to do. We're here to show them Jesus and encourage them into their own personal decision. And we're here to lead others to heaven. That's our task. There's a song in our songbook called, This Is My Task. If you've not read the words of that song lately, do it sometime. It will remind you of part of our purpose here on earth. Verse 7, he reminds him to be strong and courageous in doctrine. It tells us not to turn from the right hand or to the left. And that we are to be people of the book. You remember there was one time, and I want to admit, it's before my time. I'm, I'm old, but I'm not that old. But there was a time when the members of the church were known as Bible quoting and Bible toting. Brethren, what's happened to us? We're not that way anymore. We've lost sight of what God wanted us to see. Paul tells the church at Ephesus in chapter 4, verse 14, he says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. There's two things that will seduce Christians away from the church. One is the natural instability that we have because we sometimes become so captivated by novelty things. We sometimes become so captivated 
by being easily misled, misled and, and drawn away. And we sometimes become so captivated that we're swayed by the popular thing to do because everybody else is doing it. But then the other thing that, that pulls us away from God are those deceivers who deliberately lay traps for us and we fall right into them. And then sometimes once we're caught, we can't break free until someone does something to help us and free us. You know, we could all name someone who's left the church simply because it was easier to walk in error than to be strong and stand for the truth. And so it's important that when we see that and when we know that, Galatians 6.1 tells us we need to bring them back. It's not just Matt and Doug and Derek's job. It's not just the elder's job. It's all of our jobs to do that. If you read on in Galatians 6.1, that commandment is to all who love the Lord to do so. That we are to restore them and bring them back. In verse 9, we're told that we should not be fearful, that we should not be terrified, and we should not be discouraged. It's not easy to go against the grain of culture and to always do the right thing. It's a lot easier to sort of go along with the crowd, do what they do. It's a lot more difficult to stand on your own by yourself while others are doing things that aren't quite right. But sometimes we don't want to be left out. It's lonely being by ourselves. No, it's not. Go back and look at verse 5 of Joshua chapter 1 and verse 6. What was said there? God said, I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. I'll be with you every step of the way. He tells us the same thing at the end of the book of Matthew. I'll be with you until the very end. Hebrews 13 verse 6 tells us that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can they do to you? Say something about you? Laugh at you? Not involve you in things? Oh well. The things they're doing aren't right anyway. I, as a Christian, I really don't want to be involved in those things anyway. Do I? If my commitment is right and my zealousness is where it ought to be, I don't want any part of it. So this morning, let's end our thoughts with this. Our decision has its rewards. Again, if we look at verse 3 and verse 6 in Joshua 1, those two verses contain promises of God's abundance. Verse 3 tells us that every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, 
as I said to Moses. Verse 6 tells us, you will deliver these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. But look at our promise, because this was a promise to the children of Israel. Look at our promise. Turn to Matthew chapter 6 with me. Matthew chapter 6. And we'll start in verse 31. Matthew 6, verse 31. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But here's the verse. Here's our promise. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. There's our promise. Do what we are commanded to do. Seek God's kingdom first. Everything else will be provided for us. There's also another familiar passage. Turn with me to John chapter 14. Again, one of those familiar passages that we love to read. It's such an encouragement. If we think about this passage and the first six verses in John chapter 14, let's put this in a little bit of context. If you go back in chapter 13 and look at verse 21, Jesus starts to talk about his betrayal. One of you will betray me. And then he goes through the, the procedure. If you look at verse 33, he starts talking about his departure. I can't stay with you. I've got to go. There's other things I have to do. Verse 38, he talks about Peter. And Peter's denial. Then he gets to chapter 14. And here's our promise. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. And then verse 5 and 6, Thomas asked the question, but this is our promise. If we want it, if we're committed, if we want to be zealous to do God's will, but if we don't, this means nothing to us. Joshua 1 verse 5 also speaks of our victory. And verse 5 tells us that no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. The promise that we are told is in Romans chapter 8 verse 28. And notice what it says. 
And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. That's our promise. All things are going to work together for good for those who love God. Also, 1 John 5, 4 tells us that for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. This verse isn't talking about the man. But it's talking about his birth from God, which conquers all. It gives entry into the kingdom of God. So here we are this morning. And it's decision time. Have you made the decision this morning that you need to become God's child? You've heard the word. Do you believe it? If so, you need to repent of your sins. You need to confess the name of Jesus, that he is the son of God. You need to be baptized in the waters of baptism. And as Sammy said in class this morning, it's not just that. You then need to live faithfully the rest of the days of your life. Because once again, God gives us a promise in Revelation 2.10. If we live faithful unto death, we'll receive the crown of life. Or perhaps this morning, you've already done that. But you've fallen away. Or maybe you're struggling with your faith. Don't leave this morning without making it right. Again, we're not guaranteed any moment longer than what we have. Make your relationship right with God. Are we becoming the zealous people that God wants us to be? The invitation and challenge is yours this morning as we stand and sing.